Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's Hello. up? Watching Shields. Yep. Doing getting, doing getting that. Almost almost done with that first season of Shield. Oh my God. Got it's gone by fast for how long the seasons are, actually. It's true. Um and we've come so far. <laughs> Those characters, man. They've been through a lot. Episode, I feel like we get some of our most raw moments from a few characters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we welcome back. Um someone from the Marvel universe uh, that we haven't seen in a while, Maria Hill, which is, which is cool. Always happy to see her. Um, I remember like, I don't know. I was like super obsessed with her. Like when this first came out, I was hoping that she was going to be in it a ton. And then after the pilot, she like just shows up every so often, but this, this episode had a lot of her. So I enjoy her a lot more now that, uh, the taste of uh, how I met your mother is far removed from her and, (laughs) Uh, I was not super enthusiastic about her being in the Marvel Universe when she was first cast just because I hate that show so much. But oh, that's funny. It's not her fault. It isn't. It's, gotta, uh, like, like this she's got to make other, money. Other, <laughs> other than Josh Radner, who I don't really enjoy at all, the guy who uh, is the lead in that show. Other than that, like everyone in it is actually very talented. It's not their fault. It's what it is. <laughs> like, it's just what it is. Uh, this is true. Yeah, um, no, she and she does do a good job as Maria Hill. Uh, Kobe Smulders does, which mm-hmm. we talked before about how her name doesn't seem right. I, I want to call her Colby yeah, Smulders. Because no, like, <laughs> I think because we all are more we're well familiar with the word Colby, if nothing else, from from the cheese Colby Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Kobe, other than other than a very different name that yeah. does not make you think of her. <laughs> you know, I know. You, you hear Kobe, you think of Kobe Bryant, and you don't think of. Uh, c-o-b-i-e yeah. <laughs> you know i don't anyway i know i always have a hard time speaking of difficult names uh one of my favorite <laughs> writers wrote this episode which i will probably pronounce his name incorrectly um before we get into that though um i just want to say that uh, we are part of the but why though podcast community uh so be sure to check them out um on twitter at but why though pc and on their website but why though podcast.com tons of good content nerd and not nerd things everything pop culture uh tons of good articles and podcasts and we're super proud to be a part of their their community um also if you're not caught up on agents of shield what are you doing here um (laughs) but welcome anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) just wandered in off the street it's fine you listen to the first half before spoiler sections i guess but we're still going to go through every element of this episode it doesn't really make a lot of sense uh i'd I'd, i recommend catching up i appreciate the support if you're just checking it out for us or whatever but uh we should watch the show yeah, and the show's pretty good. I don't know. We like it. We're doing a podcast on it. We, you know, we think it's worth checking out. <laughs> hey, um, it's the most financially uh, successful Marvel show, I guess. And uh, it's going to end up being by far the most long running one. So, yeah, so true. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, news that Daredevil was canceled um, on Netflix this week. So sad. Which, I mean, everybody forgets none of these. 
were supposed to even have second seasons. Like they were all pitched as a mini series, dovetailing in in defenders, bringing it together. Yeah. This was like like this was originally not like we were never supposed to get a Daredevil season two, but it was so well liked and well enjoyed. Everyone was like, yeah, let's keep this going. But the problem is that people hired Stephen uh, Denight away, the guy who directed it, and then that's happened over and over again. Like they've lost good creative teams, yeah. and like and or, or except for Scott Buck, who they brought over to, a, to the network to do Inhumans, <laughs> who did a bad job uh, when he started off on Iron Fist. I mean, they promoted him. It makes no sense the way that stuff's gone. And, and but but um, despite Fair. my criticism, just in general, like I, like my original point, uh, this, was the, this was the original plan. Getting more than one season of each of these shows was a good thing. Getting Punisher at all was a, was a bonus. So don't, don't be sad. You got something you were never promised that was cool and we enjoyed or didn't. And if you yeah. didn't, then what are you complaining about? Yep. <laughs> and, if, and if you did, then you know you got something cool longer than we should have anyway. So yeah. I, I'm I'm taking it as a positive because for the shows that I liked, and uh, just that Iron Fish is out of his misery. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't watched that second season. Probably won't at this point. It's actually so much better. That's what I've heard. I also but don't really, I, 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 like, it's not a huge endorsement. I was going like, to say. Our friend Laura convinced me to do it, but it was really like like even as she was convincing me to watch it, like saying it was worthwhile because she'd seen the the previous yeah. stuff for uh, for press screeners. Mm-hmm. But she had said like, but like don't get me wrong, it's really only that one episode, and that <laughs> one moment even that I really enjoyed. <laughs> like, <laughs> overall, like, it's like you should check it out, but it's not that good. Yeah, so considering the, I, I feel the exact same way. I I echo that sentiment. <laughs> Considering how bad, I mean, I couldn't even finish the first season. I like went and read the synopsis on Wikipedia so that I could watch The Defenders without watching it. And just considering how bad like those first five episodes are, I'm like, I don't know how um, high the bar is to say that it's better. No, yeah. And I went back <laughs> and finished that first season after a while, and then you know did the second season eventually. But I, I can't recommend them that that much. Yeah. Like, I, I have I have mixed feelings on all those shows, but. Um, no, it's, I do too. Overall, Shield Shield made made an impact and still going, and uh, it feels like it's constantly proving itself wrong to, or pro- proving its detractors wrong and proving itself to its detractors, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and um, it is still the only Marvel show that is ongoing that is on Netflix at this point. Or no, Jessica Jones is still filming for a second se- or third season, but. You know it, that's it, probably going to get the going to get axed as well at some point. It, it was renewed for a third season. I think they're filming the third season right now. Okay, I didn't. I, yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. And there's no word so. at all on Punisher, uh, even a, though it did really well. We don't have any idea. They have not renewed yeah, it or not. Yeah. So and, and um, Defenders. I mean, frankly, all their contracts are open. If they wanted to do Defenders, right? they could. But like, what's it worth to Marvel? What's it worth to Netflix? You know, right. Mm-hmm. This was what a lot of people predicted. It's funny that the part that people predicted but were not wanting, I feel like, like, like as far as m- the majority of fan commentators that I saw talking about it with like a higher profile, predicted that uh, Shield would go away and that yeah. and that the Netflix shows would go away. But they kind of wanted the Netflix shows to go on and didn't care about Shield. Yeah, and the opposite is what's actually happening, which is interesting. It is interesting. Um, Maybe naysayers should be less negative. <laughs> Just let <laughs> crap happen and you'll be okay with it either way. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's. Uh, I, I guess my whole point to that was that Shields on Netflix, uh, go watch it. 
and then come back. <laughs> so we can talk about this. Um, and let's get into this because uh, a lot of shit happens. All right. Season one, episode 20, Nothing Personal, written by my favorite human being in the whole world, <laughs> Paul Bizewski. Biz- <laughs> it starts with a Z. So, so Biz seems wrong. Zibzewski. Z- uh, whatever Zip-Susky? you can go on wikipedia and Zip-Susky? look it up <laughs> we're not we're i apologize as well we're, we're really do. not trying to, to, to mock anything we just don't know how to pronounce this and, and this he, is the one with like has an immediate google uh you know speech uh search result we'll have to, and, we'll have to put in more than two seconds yeah and he's written so many episodes at this point i'm like oh my god no, i'm just it, gonna call him paul z because <laughs> When I'm I the see worst. show notes now, every time I know it's coming and I'm like, oh no. Well, I feel badly for you, for him. And and it's just one where, I, because you know, you, I know you're not keeping track of it as much, but I'm like, oh, I know I've seen this one before. <laughs> like, yep. There's a lot we think we may have seen before, but we're not sure. It's like Zibweski or Zibsweski. I can't. <laughs> Whatever his name is, I know I know I've seen it a million times. And I've heard it be, been butchered, uh, you know, half a dozen times. He really has done a lot this episode or this season. He and really he writes great episodes, I think. Um, I really enjoy his episodes. I just can't say his fucking name. So sorry, dude, yeah. <laughs> if our, you're our, listening. Our most <laughs> sincere apologies to Paul. Um, if you are listening, Mr. Paul Z, please write in and tell us how to pronounce your name. An audio file would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> also, I think we should just call him Paul from now. <laughs> yeah. Our buddy, our buddy Paul. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, so this was written by our, our friend Paul Z and DJ Doyle and directed by Billy Gerhart. Originally aired April 29th, 2014. <laughs> okay, now that that's over with, my anxiety has abated. <laughs> All right, episode starts off. We are in Washington, D.C. And lo and behold, Maria Hill is walking out of a building and she's on the on her cell phone. And she's complaining about how Congress people are like kindergartners, which is hilarious um and she knows she's being watched so she's walking down the road she's like oh yeah you know that bum right there that lady you know not checking her phone waiting for the bus and you know all these people she knows are spying on her um suddenly she realizes all of her spies are unconscious and she hangs up uh on who she's talking to which happens to be pepper ah, hey <laughs> um goes into an alley pulls her gun out and may shows up um, May wants to talk about Project Tahiti, and she's afraid that someone like Alexander Pierce was in charge of the project, and she wants to know who was in charge of it. But Maria Hill doesn't know, which sucks. So um, May goes off and disappears, and the cops show up uh, and take Maria Hill in because her spies uh, did not see her for like five minutes. So she's in trouble. <laughs> also, uh, Maria Hill, when she was mentioning all that stuff to Pepper, making jokes about Congress people being stupid, uh, she, which was very timely as always, yep. uh, but she made a reference to an offhand reference to a Marvel character that I'll talk about more in our uh, spoilers and, and uh, comic connections portion. But she's references man thing very briefly, uh, which might sound like, gibberish or nonsense but it's a actually just like a, a little shout out or a, a callback for comic fans and uh has kind of a, a, an extra interesting layer to it in addition to being a marvel character that i will get into later on 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That totally was gibberish to me. It just sounded like um, very well-timed dialogue. So all these things that I miss because I don't know comics connections. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was keeping my eyes peeled this episode for any moment that we could, that would be a good moment to have uh, a Lloyd Rathman reference, but there <laughs> didn't really feel like one this episode. I was waiting for like, this would be a great spot for Rathman, but there, there just wasn't one. Yeah. So I'm going, that is how I'm going to be watching every episode <laughs> from now on though. It's just with the lens of where would Rathman fit into this in a perfect world. And, uh, um, yeah. Speaking of Lloyd Rathman, I found Rod, Rod, oh my God, Rob Hubel on Twitter, and he is hilarious. And I'm he following is. him now, and <laughs> I need to follow him from the podcast account so that he can see how much we love him. But <laughs> no, we should we should start tagging him occasionally. I know. Um, oh man, Rathman watch is still in full effect. Not so right. much on this episode, but uh, to be continued. <laughs> All right. Um. We are in now in Providence Base, and uh, where we left off on the last episode, if you remember, um, Colson, um, Simmons, Fitz, and Trip show up to the base, and the bus is gone, and no one's there. <laughs> so they're confused. They're like, what the fuck? So right now, they're trying to figure out where everyone is. So they're reviewing the surveillance from uh, after the time that they left um, to go to Oregon, and the only thing that they see is May leaving, and then Sky and Ward holding hands, leaving on the bus. So they know that May left through the front door and Sky and Ward um, left on the bus. They have no idea where um, Koenig is and <laughs> they're just like, what the fuck? And then in this moment, they're like trying to figure things out. They're just talking through as a team. And Trip gets a little antagonistic towards May. He's like, well, if she left, like, fuck her. Like, we don't need people like that right now. We need people who are going to be loyal. And if she left, we don't need her. And he's kind of not wrong. No, but the, like... but the ensuing reaction from everyone else yeah. was one of the best, I feel like, sitcom -y, comedic, uh, comedic moments we've had. Because usually mm -hmm. those are played, I don't know, but like sometimes those take me out of it when it does, you know what I mean? Like, like not all the comedy, but specifically, there are some beats that feel very much like a, oh, mom and dad are fighting or whatever. Like, uh, like they're, to, to me, they feel like the moments in sitcoms where the uh, audience or the laugh track is like going, ooh, yep, or whatever. Because yep. Coulson totally did excuse me. But, <laughs> like... when, but when that happens, they all leave the room. And, yeah. and Fitz is the, but like Jenna doesn't seem like scared, but she's like, well, I gotta go do this. But, or Jenna, but Fitz is like, I gotta get out of here. Like, yeah. like, Fitz is like, like, he's gonna yell at you. <laughs> and I don't wanna see that. <laughs> it was. It was pretty great. It was the beginning yeah. of a lot of really great emotional stuff from uh, from Fitz. And I feel like it was it started off kind of funny and light and it gets more serious, but it was done really well. It, yeah, definitely. I think we see a very large range from Fitz emotionally in this episode, um, ranging from uh, comedic to uncomfortable to very uh, tragic. So. Um, so this is where Simmons and Fitz uh, take their leave <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and Simmons is like, I'm going to go make food. And Fitz leaves with her. Um, Simmons goes into the storeroom where Eric's body is and she finds blood. Um, and Fitz walks by the bathroom that Skye was like freaking out in. And he notices uh, he walks by two rooms and he notices that the fake windows are different. One is day and one is night. And they're supposed to be like on the same time scale or whatever. So he realizes the night window 
has a screwdriver like jammed into it so it can't rotate through its little roll thing and the window rotates through and he finds a message saying ward is hydra on the day window and then simmons screams because she clearly found eric's body poor kids um on the bus, Sky is trying to stall. Um, she's saying that the geotag for her encryption hack is uh, at a diner in LA somewhere. And she's describing because it's like, you know, it's a public place, like I'll be safe there, whatever her reasoning is. Um, and, you know, Ward, she's still playing Ward. He has no idea. Um, and he finds that she has a gun on her and he takes it. And he's like, we can't be caught, you know, on a concealed weapons charge. We're both, you know, fugitives at this point. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Still playing with him. And he is still believing all of it because he has a blind spot for her. Uh, back at Providence base, um, Koenig's body is on a table and he is dead. And Fitz is freaking the fuck out. And poor Simmons is just like, just let me work. Just let me work. And Fitz is like, this can't have been Ward. This can't have, you know, this this isn't happening. He's starting to panic. And Simmons very like calmly and coldly assesses the body and confirms that um, because of the route of injury and the time frame that it took place, it has to be Ward. She's like, Ward did this. And Fitz reacts so violently. He starts throwing shit across the room. He's just, he is having a full on meltdown. Um, and Colson is like, whoa. And he gives him something to do. He's like, go fix the comms. <laughs> and um. When he leaves, Trip is like, "Oh, that was a good idea." And Colson's like, "Dude, I'm, I'm right there with him. Like, I'm on the verge of having a meltdown too. He's just maybe a little bit better trained to handle situations like this." But they are all shook, realizing that Ward is a bad guy. Um, meanwhile, back in Los, or not, I guess not back. They are in Los Angeles now. Sky and Ward are now in Los Angeles, walking to the diner, and Sky is still stalling. Smart girl. Um, and as they're walking to the diner, um, Ward's like, "Oh, you know, thinking it'll take like ten minutes," and she's like, "This is going to take at least an hour." And she lists all these technical reasons why, which probably go way over his head because he is not a hacker; he's just a brute force spy, um, and he is not happy. He's like, "Time is ticking." Um, we're out in public. This is not good. Back at Providence Base, um, Tripp and Colson are brainstorming, trying to figure out what Ward wants from them. Like he obviously came back and took Sky with him. He didn't kill anyone. May's alive still. Um, he was pretending to be on their side the whole time. It's a little weird. And then they realize, oh, he wants the hard drive, and Sky encrypted it in a way that he needs her to decrypt it. Um, and we don't get a chance to digest this because a proximity alert goes off. So someone's at the base. Um, and they get all gunned up and ready to take on this threat <laughs> and the hangar door just deactivates and they're like, that's impossible. How did that happen? And Talbot strolls in with a bunch of his men and he is followed by Maria Hill. What? Um, oh, by the way, in that opening scene with Maria and May, um, May mentions that Coulson needs help. <laughs> And so maybe this was Maria Hill's way of helping Coulson, um, which we find out later in the episode, was her plan that does not go as she wants it to. <laughs> um, all right. So the next scene is at a cemetery and someone is grave digging. And oh, look, it's 
Melinda May grave digging. Um, and she just like pops out of this grave and there's this old man there like mourning his what I'm assuming is his like wife or his, you know, whoever. And she's like, oh, my condolences. And she just like walks away all dirty. And it turns out it was Colson's grave and she found a flash drive in his empty grave. Um, and plugs it into a laptop in her car and it's some kind of level 10 shield report and it seems like this might have been fury's report on project tahiti um how did she know to do this i feel (laughs) like we missed something (laughs) like i feel like there's a scene missing in this episode or like a conversation we missed where her line of thinking led her to go dig up that that reminds me of a of a comic i was just reading like a really old a comic that was a tie-in to Captain America, the Fantastic Four. It was called Team America, like the uh, the old South Park guys <laughs> puppet movie. But it was about like a team of motorcycle mm-hmm. guys, and it, like, I think it, it turned out to like be it was all a licensing thing with a line of toys that I think was supposed to be sold for Evil Knievel, but like pulled out of it at the last minute. So like, let's just turn it into a comic book <laughs> and like repaint them all. So they all had outfits like it. But <laughs> okay. there was a story that there was. A guy, one of the members of this motorcycle t- team, like stunt team or whatever, was saving an ex-girlfriend of his who was trying to like stop a, a company that was polluting the environment, you know, cutting corners. And she, she was a scientist who was researching it. And like yeah. he goes to save her from like a toxic spill, like quicksand situation. And uh, while they're running, like they, they run by the factory where, where it's all happening. And then like they cut back to the guy's like team. They're like, hey, what's he doing? And then when the scene transitions back, he's still on the outside of the building trying to figure out how to save her because she's been kidnapped by the guy who runs the, ca- the, the, the company. But they oh cut God. out the scene where she's kidnapped. And I'm like, I went back and read that thing like five times. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, this does not make any sense. It's the, it's, I feel like this was a similar moment where it's just like, wait, wait. Because I, I did, I rewound it once, and I was like, "How did May?" There's not even like a hint to how she gets this information. Like it's just like boom, <laughs> like she's on autopilot. Yeah. She doesn't have programming. I went back. <laughs> like, like what this project? What project was she in? I know. <laughs> I actually went back and watched that first opening scene with her and Maria Hill. I was like, "Did I miss something in the dialogue that she's like, go search Colson's grave? That you will, you will find your answers there." <laughs> like. No, there wasn't even a no. hint of of it or of when she came out. Came up with it. It was very weird. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, but I mean, it, effective strategy. Good job, May. <laughs> so yeah, I was a little confused. It's like I better check with Jared just to make sure I'm not crazy <laughs> that I that did. Was definitely one that didn't make any sense to me. Okay, cool. This show is great, but it is not without its shortcomings here and there. Um, we're the first people to admit that. <laughs> Um, every show has things like this. Um, oh, absolutely. Every show, every <laughs> movie, you, you just can't think about them. That's what willing suspension of disbelief is. Yeah. Sure. And honestly, I probably didn't even notice this the first time I watched this ever. But because we're going through with like a fine tooth comb, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's no run up to this. What? <laughs> so. Yeah. So yeah, so back at Providence Base, um, Talbot is interrogating everyone and Simmons, of all people, starts to sass him and is like, 
we're not telling you anything like get out of here like we don't owe you anything and he's kind of like hey you don't really have any other options like you're fugitives um and hill is privately talking to colson about cutting a deal and just giving talbot some meaningless intel to keep him satisfied um but colson's like what about the rest of my team they're supposed to go through the system and and then what and then she talks about how she's working for stark and he's gonna you know he has a, a place there if he would like um and colson knows that he's a huge liability in terms of shield secrets um and hill is not shy about admitting that is exactly what he is like uh maybe we don't want talbot to know that he died and was resurrected um and they have the technology to do that and it's still out there somewhere (laughs) and that they resurrected or at least they regenerated another agent that is uh within shield aka sky um lots of intel that they probably don't want the u.s government to know about um but the what changes the tide here is that colson tells hill about ward and garrett being hydra and that they're the ones that broke everyone out of the fridge and they're the ones that have access to all of that all the goodies in the fridge and she's like oh shit like yeah no one can help us. We have to, we have to handle this. Um, and so Talbot comes in with his men and is like expecting, you know, he, with all his bravado and he's expecting whatever, a confession or surrender or whatever. And Colson and Hill just take them all out and run. They take their team and run. Um, in Los Angeles, Sky and Ward are still in the diner and she is stalling big time. And she, we see on her laptop that she is, not at the correct location. So she's just hanging out, I think, hoping that Colson's team will figure out where she is and, and find her and save her. Um, or maybe something else. Uh, so Sky starts asking Ward, like, did you ever do any undercover work? And he's like, yeah, you know, like 14 or 16 months or whatever he says um, in Russia, you know, deep cover. Um, she's like, oh, what was it like leading a double life? Um, and, and what about Garrett? Like, what would you say to him right now? And then she starts changing up her, her, her tone a little bit. She says, would you say he's disgusting? And you can tell like the way that she's looking at him, like she wants him to know that she knows. And he's kind of like on the verge of understanding. And he's like, what are you asking? And she's like, I'm just trying to have an honest conversation for once. Um, And meanwhile, uh, before this conversation, Ward has been getting paranoid about these cops in the diner. Um, there were two cops in there when they came in and sat down, and they're still there. They're not leaving. They've been there for a long time, and he doesn't like it. Um, and it turns out Sky tipped them off because technically they are all wanted fugitives. And so um, the cops come over, and she warns them that Ward is armed. <laughs> Um, but of course, Ward doesn't need a gun to take down all these cops. So he just like starts throwing punches and throwing people, you know, over the tables and throwing chairs at people. And Sky runs outside to surrender herself to the other cops that are outside. And they like she's like, I'm a shield agent. Take me in. I, you know, I'm surrendering myself. And they're just kind of like being lackadaisical about it. So she starts getting rough with them. So they'll take her in faster. And Ward runs outside and shoots them. She shoots. He shoots both of them. And so she just gets in the cop car and steals it and starts driving away. And we're like, oh, yes, guy's finally getting away. But no, Deathlock shows up and pulls her out of the car by her throat. <laughs> oh, Mike. <sighs> How far are you fallen, Mike? 
Um, back on the bus, uh, we find out that Mike was sent to shadow Ward because Garrett knows that Ward has a soft spot, soft spot for Sky, and Mike is like, "You have five minutes to get this info, or I'm taking over." Um, Sky just loses it. She starts fighting Ward. She's trying to hit him. She is so pissed and hurt and he very easily just like handcuffs her to the stairs and he's like trying not to hurt her but he's also trying to restrain her um and she's like why and he just claims that he was following orders and it was nothing personal oh interesting that that's the episode title um and sky says that's the twisted logic they teach you when you sign up to be a nazi and ward is like i'm not a nazi what the fuck are you talking about and she goes uh that's like page one of the shield handbook red skull was a big fat nazi um and ward is just delusional he's like well you know that's not what it was for me um and you know my feel he he starts talking about like how his feelings for sky were always real and he like gets real close to her and he tries to kiss her and she's like i'm gonna throw up so gross so disgusting no it it was very like that was the best thing she could have said right there i know know? i was like for a moment you think that she's gonna like have some compassion for him but she's just like no like none at all and then he turns into this like crazy abusive psychopath and he's like do you think it was easy for me like to lie and lead this double life this whole time and like what the fuck and she is just like i would never ever want a life with you ever you can go to hell and die and well she doesn't say that but that's what i'm hoping she's saying (laughs) if this was my life this is what i would have said um and she just rejects him so hard and is like i will never be with you and he actually looks hurt like did you not consider all of this when you thought you would run away with sky and oh my god he's just delusional so delusional this moment was crazy and poignant for our current time. Hmm. <laughs> Nazis and all that. Um, so Mike is trying to decrypt the drive, but they're not in the right location. So it doesn't work. And he gets a, a message in his, his eye implant thing. And it's like plan B Garrett is tired of waiting. Um, so Mike comes over and sky starts to plead with him. She's like, we can help you. And he's like, I have no choice. Like, I have an implant in my eye that's going to explode if I disobey orders. And my son is in the hands of Garrett. And she's like, no, I left him in the hands of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. He's like, yeah. And what is S.H.I.E.L.D. now? There is no S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, this doesn't end well for me no matter what. So I have no choice. And it sucks because he's right. He has no choice. Um, he is His hands are tied. And so he uh shoots ward with this gadget that puts him into cardiac arrest and he ward just like slumps to the ground and he's like all right give me the intel or i'm just gonna let him die and she's like i don't care and he's like really are you willing to be a murderer and of course she's not she's that's not who sky is like she can't she she doesn't have the what it takes to to kill someone like that even if she hates their guts um no and i feel like it's it this is a question that's raised all the time in superhero stuff too because i feel like this isn't batman and batman begins letting a guy fall off a cliff intentionally you know what i mean she's not a doctor she hasn't taken the hippocratic oath yeah you know it's not a first do no harm thing like like she is a spy and i think that He's ba- like this is a little bit of gaslighting or manipulation on his oh, part. Absolutely. Knowing what he knows about her, being that she's the one who gave him the speech that convinced him to be a freaking hero. Mm. You know, it's like any part of him that is active and that is isn't just being you know 
intimidated into because we know that that Peterson is being intimidated into this. He's not a true believer on any of this. He's he he was basically like threatened with his son's life. Yeah. So so that's why he's doing this. But it, it, but he's all in because he cares about his son that much. And I think that he's using his knowledge of Sky to to mess with her because like his point would be true if it were a different situation, yeah. you know, she's not pulling a trigger on him. She's not killing someone in cold blood. She's not stressing about a dude who would gladly kill every one of her friends and has killed, you know, her latest friend and other people around them, you mm-hmm. know, and who knows what, the, it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I get, I, I get what he's saying and how it is touching true things to her, but I still feel like it's very manipulative and like it's deceptive, even though it's rooted in something that's true for her and who she I is. I absolutely agree. Um, because I feel like if he wouldn't have framed it in that way, like, are you willing to be a murderer? Like, I feel like she would have just been like, I don't give a fuck. Let him die. Like, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> like, this guy, like, betrayed all of us and, you know, claims to have feelings for me, but he's like an abusive jackass. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, she she can't she can't handle that and so she gives up the intel and she's like it's based on altitude 35,000 feet um and so mike brings ward back and ward is pissed and mike's like it wasn't personal <laughs> nothing personal <laughs> no that was a great moment it really was it was rad because they both very clearly do not like each other ward is choosing this life and mike is not and so i think mike just like fucking can't stand him either because he's like what kind of psychopath would choose this life like i have no choice this is nothing personal for real like (laughs) i think for ward maybe it is a little bit more personal and he's uh just saying that um as a cover for his his true uh uh what's the word i'm looking for uh violent personality i don't know Anyway, um, so Ward goes and gets in the cockpit and gets they're getting ready to take off. And um, lo and behold, Maria Hill is back. Uh, her and Agent Tripp are waiting for them in another plane. Um, and she's like, look, um, you have, you know, you have this amount of time to surrender or we're going to blow you out of the sky. And Ward calls her bluff and he's like, Colson would not sacrifice Sky like that. Um, you're not going to do anything. So we're going. Goodbye. Um, but apparently they knew that was going to happen. They were just there to buy time for Colson to sneak aboard the landing gear um, right as the plane takes off. Yay, Colson to the rescue. Um, so he sneaks on board the bus and he finds Sky. And yay, she has her dad back. They have a really cute hug. Um, and he's like, all right, let's go. Just Ward, right? We can, we got this. And she's like, no, Deathlock's here too. And he's like, oh, shit. Um, so they run down to the cargo <laughs> ramp. <laughs> yeah, because they know they can't win that fight. Um, and they get in Lola and uh, they almost don't make it. They fly off in Lola. Uh, Sky is like, this, this very tense moment where Sky is like flying away. Colson grabs her, brings her back. They can't get control of the car. So they're like spinning and going upside down. And suddenly they get, they get control of it again, but just in time to land like right in front of LA live. And then some guy comes up and asks for uh, the parking toll. <laughs> and, and that was one. I, I felt like it was, it was edited perfect because they had just done after this like free fall, like uh, Sky's hair is super like co- comedically messed up, and it's probably realistic, but it's not like it usually is in these movies, you know. Nope. Like like <laughs> like, like you, if this happened to Black Widow, she'd land and her hair would be perfect, and so it, but so it's and and on top of that, when he when the valet is like, 
you know, wants to park his car. Coulson starts right as the scene changes. Coulson starts to lift up his right butt cheek to reach for his wallet. And it's hilarious because <laughs> he like, leans up and pu- starts to reach back. It's like, okay, I guess I got to do it. You got- right. That's the only way to keep my cover. Even though they just <laughs> dropped from the sky. Like it's so silly. But, and, and right before I see you see if it's LA live, just when they're starting to do the free fall, there's a couple of like very prominent shots of Nokia billboards. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh and, like, man. The, um, oh, what's the hotel, that hotel, that fancy hotel. Oh my God. Whatever. The fancy hotel that's like downtown with like the pool scene. It's just Is like it the W. No, I don't think it's, it's the one W. Of those. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Yeah. But like the whole part of it was hilarious. And, <laughs> and, uh, and the mixture of like moments in that sequence where I was like, that's where some of the special effect budget went this season. Like that's a good shot with like their really tight in on their faces and bodies. Yes. <laughs> you know, There's some like, there's some really good wide shot that felt very cinematic, but there's some that feels so much like green screeny. Like, like there are three guys shaking this car. Yeah. And someone's a fan <laughs> blowing yeah, on them. Yep. Exactly. They feel like an SNL <laughs> sketch where they're falling in a car. Like, like, like mixed in with really good stuff. Yeah. So it, I feel like it's almost unnerving because it's inconsistent, but it's also just part of the shield's charm at this point. Exactly. Like thinking about that stuff. Cause, cause the, the moment with, uh, with Mike Peterson could have been way cheesy or really badass. But I feel like they played it perfect. Like it was just really fast when he, when he grabbed sky, like it was just perfectly paced and done. Like, like they made good use of their special effects, but this, this lasted so long. <laughs> Some of the scenes started to show and it yeah. was, it was a, good moment but it was still funny this was a really long sequence like i was like i don't know it it (laughs) persisted right like you're just like after a while you're like come on guys how how long did they drop i know like Like, and then part of me was like colson you don't know how to work your own damn car like hello (laughs) like shouldn't you have this figured out i don't know it was still good though and i enjoyed the him just reaching for his wallet like all right that was so funny (laughs) that that one made me maybe made me laugh out loud that one made me laugh a lot though that's so good so now um they're at some motel in la and um uh there is no more shield um they're it uh they're just rogue people they're <laughs> citizens you know they're, they're they're just fugitives they're you know and and hill is talking to colson um you know about how anything that he does now is on his own it is revenge it is off book uh and unofficial it has nothing to do with shield so he's welcome to do that but they have no resources and there's no more secret bases and um she's gonna go work for stark um and he's like oh tell him i said hi oh wait he thinks i'm dead which is kind of sad <laughs> and she insists that fury's dead but he doesn't buy it he and may both in this episode don't don't buy it yeah well i mean um koenig told colson that fury wasn't dead so it wasn't in on that though she was not but yeah so i think that's interesting um well, so and that- it doesn't mean that she doesn't know it just means she doesn't know that it's okay for them to know or yeah. that, that feels like I feel Both like that movie and comic book classic Nick Fury, like like yeah. he doesn't give a shit if everyone's on the same page. It's not, <laughs> it's not not his concern. He's clearly he yeah. He knows what's going on. That's all he cares about. He has some moral gray areas. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. So uh, we pan to Fitz and Simmons sitting at the pool with their feet in the pool, and Fitz is like so upset, and he's like, "Okay, you have to tell me, Simmons." you're not Hydra. I need to hear you say it. And she's like, I'm not Hydra. And um, 
it was a just, sweet moment. It's a really sweet moment. They're just like, I'm glad we're here together. Like, it's it's really cute. Um, and Trip is eating chips and talking to Sky. And Sky's like, Well, now what are you gonna do? And he's like, Well, um, as soon as that man over there tells me to go somewhere or do something, I'm that's what I'm gonna do. It's it's really cute because earlier in the episode we saw that Trip's reaction. Uh, to May leaving, like he he, loyalty is huge for him. And like Garrett betraying him was like a big deal. Like it shook him. And so it's really nice to see that he uh, has the same loyalty to Coulson now. (laughs) So it's, I'm, I'm glad he's a part of the team now officially. And um, it's something that we've hinted at in spoiler sections and even in non-spoiler sections, uh, you know, that I think he has a close uh, bond with, uh, I think, especially uh, Gemma and Sky coming up, mm-hmm. and I think that given the way he does have this loyalty to Coulson and how they both feel about him, like it, just, it's just like it's just a family. Yeah, and, and we've talked before about how he was big talk about, um, uh, you know, not having attachment, but he's the guy who, <laughs> like, actually engenders attachments. Yeah. You know, like. He does. He inspires it. Yeah, he does. It, it's just really sweet. Um, it's nice to see like a new family being made when uh, the former family was so fractured and everyone was so hurt by it. it. So it's nice to see Trip step in and and be an actual like great uh, operative agent to take Ward's place and not be a dickbag. So <laughs> I think they did a good job in a very short amount of time making us believe that like. I mean, it, part of it's the heightened trauma with their whole experience, but I believe that Gemma and everyone is shaken as much as they are by by uh, Koenig's death, by Eric dying, because yeah. they did, because, like, that guy saved their lives, and, like, you know, he's, I mean, everybody's problematic, but I was going to say, <laughs> Pat, Pat Oswald is a mixed figure in, like, people I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but he's, like, he. I think there is something likable about him. There's a reason why he's the star of one of the really well-regarded Pixar movies, and you know, as, and that's saying something. Yeah, but like he's he, he's he's got that charming thing. I think like he does he does a Wonder Years show. Uh, what's it called? The Goldbergs. He does the narration on that. Oh. And there's, there's a couple things where he's like the voice of a cartoon character. Like like yeah. he's he's likable, and we liked Koenig instantly, mm-hmm. and he's gone. Yeah. So it's another reason we hate Ward. This is the We Hate Ward show. That's, it really, is. that's really the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> like, how do we disseminate our hate for Ward at the highest possible level? Oh, God, <laughs> seriously. Well, uh, Sky apparently left a surprise on the hard drive uh, that Ward and Garrett get to find out later. So she's on the hating Ward train now, too. So we're all on the same team here. <laughs> but it's so good for her to be on board. I know. <laughs> God, it's so, it was so stressful watching these past couple episodes, like with her finding out and like we had already known. And I was like, oh, you're going to it's going to be so hard for you. My, my sweet baby. <laughs> it's going to be OK. And they they pull through and they're fine. Oh. Um, so the end scene is Coulson walking into his hotel room and he's just very visibly tired and May is there and he's genuinely happy to see her, which is such a relief. Also, that was another uh, point of contention that was just very hard to sit with as, as an audience member. Um, and she's like, look, I have something to show you. And she shows him the file on the computer and what the fuck apparently 
Colson was in charge of the Tahiti project. And this is a video of him resigning from the project because the subjects were not stable and he didn't think that they should put anyone else through this. Um, and it was a project put in place to possibly save a fallen Avenger. And then of all people, Colson is the one who gets put through this again. Good Lord. <laughs> so, so many. So, you know, he has this giant weird mind fuck because he was basically he's like this is not fit for human beings and fury was so sad to lose his buddy but he's like i don't care if he was morally against this more than anyone in the world i'm gonna frankenstein yeah. this bitch and rewrite his brain he said the only way to make them make it doable and have them not break down with a complete psychosis was to erase their memories and make it to where they could that, that they didn't have any idea what happened that it seemed like they didn't know if there was a biological component, but it seemed like it was the just the knowledge, the weight of the knowledge that you died and been brought back, and like in the way that you had was, was what like caused it. Yeah. So, so now he basically also and on top of everything, he has like a basically like a countdown, like who knows when your full blown psychosis is going to kick in? I know because you're fucked. Like, but, but like you just heard a video of yourself being like, I've looked at the research a million ways, and there's no undoing it. The best case scenario is you're fucked, me. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> what he just heard. Uh, like, not not great. Not a great experience. No, poor Colson, just mind fuck after mind fuck. He cannot catch a break. It seems like, and I had totally forgotten about this. Like all of this stuff. No, that that little element was something oh. that I've forgotten as well. Like, and it and it's like on one side, yeah, hey, great. It didn't program me to be a Hydra sleeper. Bad part. I'm going to go nuts. Yeah. Like it's not, I'm going to like become untethered from reality. It's God. not great. Oh, and it sucks that May had to find that out too. Like she didn't even know. And I bet she's even more like, who was I working for? What the fuck? Like, also like, Hey, maybe I should have just looked at this. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, Hey, guess good news. It wasn't Hydra. Uh, bad news. You don't want to know. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Let's go get a sandwich. Because <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like, I don't know, man. That removes a layer of hope, you know? Like, yeah. like, like that means you're resigned to it now. Like, like at least she could have tried to help him by erasing his brain. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, it's it's grim. That's a grim forecast. And that's that's the end, right? Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Mm. Oh, and there's like for a second you think it's ending okay. And yeah. Then- <laughs> Everyone's happy. The f- there's a new family forming, May's right. back, and then nope. <laughs> Colson, you're gonna go nuts any minute they're, now. They're fugitives, it's they got cyborgs and you know world spy organizations, you know at the highest level of governments. Like after them, like, it's not a great situation, but they, they were gonna make it. But now it's like, oh no, so many seasons. Yeah, you know, uh, as we d- dive into the spoiler section shortly, uh, I want to talk about how this 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 is a a precursor to to the way Colson ends things towards the end of the season i feel like oh man okay let's um let's get there in a second because there's a there's a lot to talk about <laughs> um okay discussion topic number one ward is gross and we hate him but i think we've covered that very well we, we, we <laughs> incorporate this episode. That every episode even maybe ones he won't be in the future. yeah <laughs> uh yeah don't worry about that if that's what you're tuning in for we got it we got you covered 
Yeah, yeah. So I think we've covered that pretty well. Um, the other thing that I put down here is Fitz and his meltdowns and just how yeah. progressively worse and more traumatized he becomes throughout this oh, he, episode. He full on throws a fit when Gemma is like, oh, yeah, you can't deny it. Like, it's definitely. Like his bored. his big brother, like the guy that he was joking around with. like yeah, The guy and, who made him feel like he was a real spy. It made him yeah, feel like he wasn't and, just a tech guy. wasn't just Q and James Bond or whatever. He was a part of a team. And, this guy who tricked him, who 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 encouraged him to tell Gemma how he feels. Yeah. But like It's like, like he has to be second guessing everything that he'd said to him now. Like it's just like, it's just like uh, Sky's betrayal, it, like on a different layer, layer or a different level because they have different relationships. But it's the same thing where this intimacy, this closeness and this real connection on one side was fabricated by another person, or at least they think it was yeah. and on some level. On some level, I think it was true for Ward for both of them, and on some level, it was fabricated for both of them. Mm-hmm. But like, and even that's, he probably can't separate that. And that's what makes it even more fucked up. Is like, I'm sure Ward was pulling from true like emotions and maybe like true psychology, like within himself, to be able that's, to even have that relationship with Fitz. Like, like not just going from fiction, going from like, and it's, it just seems like it's a trope in fiction as well. But like, just going from like actually reading about like witness relocation program stuff that's what they say if you're going to have a cover identity you draw from real life like 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 they usually don't have completely wacky different names like 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 a lot of times you know the names sound nothing like them in fiction but they usually are that they're based in their real names so it's easier for you to remember a transition because like if your name's phil and you change your name to you know ed or whatever like it's gonna take a much longer time uh, to turn around than it would to turn around for Bill. It's, it, but, it, and I feel like it's the same exact thing. Like he's got to be drawing on everything he can from his real life to be as convincing as possible and from his real feelings. And we saw how he got, I think how his feelings were a little hurt, you know, occasionally with the way things happened with May. Mm, like I think yeah. even without venturing in any spoiler sections, we know, uh, but he did have a closeness to these people but he, that it was on some level real and like i don't give a give a shit but he's hurt <laughs> when sky is like you know it's he, 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 he like before like you know but she doesn't believe it you know how could she ever believe it uh but like that hurts his feelings i think because he he's like oh but you should know that i really do you know have feelings for you it's like fuck oh, you buddy God, what the fuck do you mean you should know it's like so it's like, delusional <laughs> he's just so, he so delusional and it's hard because he's someone like you can't really blame him with his upbringing and and uh, Garrett like who, who, he had no chance. But at the same time, it doesn't make me like him. It doesn't make me forgive him. It just- well, that's that's kind of why I like that him and Mike are both in this episode, and they're kind of like foils for each other. Like they both are working for Garrett, but. I'm sorry. Mike, Mike against his will to, yeah. save his lo- to save his actual loved one. Yes. Whereas and this guy like fab- like like took a thing from a BS spy a fabrication twisted. and yeah. thinks he's in love. Like, like, like no, that's really interesting. They, they are. They're exact parallels. And the way he closes out his last line to him when he gives it back to him. When, yeah. well, like, I, I like that. I usually, a lot of times, titular lines are groan worthy. Yeah. This time- it wasn't grown worthy the first time, but it wasn't like 
ooh, that's awesome. But the second time we get the digital reply, which is funny because you don't usually get it twice in, a, in an episode or a movie or whatever. But the second time when he gives it back, when he gives it nothing personal back, it was so great because like it wasn't – when he said it before, did he say it to – He said it to Peterson? Sky, I think. No, he said it to Sky with, yeah. with Peterson around. Yeah. And I feel like that makes it even better because it's not revenge. It's just calling him on his shit. Yeah. It's not, it's not you said this to me. I'm going to throw it in your face. It's, hey, you're full of shit. Yeah, because this is personal for him. Yeah. Yeah. But if I feel like, yeah, you stand for nothing. Like, basically. Like, like I know why I'm in this. My, my kid has a gun to his head. You have no reason to do this. Like, you're just a shit bag. Like, 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 this is just reinforcing it. Which, given the fact that he is essentially being, you know, forced by, to, to work for these guys, he's like, you know, I don't know. This is not a good situation for Mike in any in any stretch of the imagination. For a little while, it seemed like it was like, "Hey, I get to walk again." Now it's not. It's yeah, it's, it's a nightmare scenario. Like the people that saved him, like, but also the people that doomed him because she, the shield is wrapped up in Hydra. It's so complicated. Like, there's so many they're layers to this. Because Hydra was yeah. was centipede and shield. It's yeah. like the people who lied to him and and messed with him and told him they were going to give him superpowers. Uh, uh, he was then saved by another group. Oh, it turns out they're both run by by Nazis. The same organization. You're a black man. You're being Frankenstein by a group of super Nazis. Yeah, and who've lovely. been lying to you for you know a year. It's like uh, uh, everyone you've met in the last year has been uh, somehow associated with these these. Fuckers. God, that's so true. It's a, that's a mind trip, dude. And they don't, and they don't even realize it. I like, know. Oh man, no, that's no good. Oh man, I, I think I segued into our spoiler section. A little yeah, bit. let's let's go into the spoiler section. Uh, oh. Spoiler section now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, he, uh, yeah, he is a uh, he's a good character. I'm glad he does a good, he does a good job uh, with it. And I'm, their version of Deathlock's interesting. It makes me want them to do that at, the, at like. They might as well do that, uh, like like bring in Mike Peterson in the comics. Yeah, he's so compelling. Like, there's so much to his story that's like Ace would have to be like a baby because of how young they'd they'd be. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But his, like his counterpart, his best friend character is a mercenary who works with Deadpool at this point, and was like a government sponsored superhero. Like, I think their their ages they should be young adults at this point. They were introduced yeah. as teenagers, so he could totally be an unemployed kid whose best friend was a superhero like that gives him a whole different dimension to this like oh, it could man. be the actual good story that jessica jones season two was trying to be where he's like <laughs> i i want powers to help people <laughs> or like get myself out of the situation not oh, that i'm man. just jealous of my best friend <sighs> oh dude that would be amazing <laughs> right? oh man and, and there are characters like they could reintroduce there's a, there a character called the power broker uh, there's a couple of versions of them who who is in Jessica Jones, like you said, who would be perfect for this, who have connections to Hydra at this point. Every, everything does thanks to the uh, Captain America uh, Marvel-wide event, Secret Empire, where, hey, just about everybody was a Nazi for a while. That's great. great. Wonderful. Great. Um, let's talk real quick before we get into too deep into comics connections. Um so Fitz and Simmons discussion by the pool. <laughs> yes. Um, I didn't even think about this, 
but you put this in the notes. Uh, them talking about Hydra foreshadows Fitz's turn. Yeah, because holy shit! Like he even has her say it, and then she says like at the end, like, "And I never will." And I'm like, "That's true. You never do. He does." Yeah, and it's like, and it's just, it's the Hydra betrayal is what shakes him to the core. Like it almost messes him up more than the traumatic brain injury. He gets yeah. over that. Like this messes him up forever, and then he ends up being turned into this by the framework, and it's all. None of it was mind warping. It was just, it, none of it was conditioning. It was just being fed different scenarios. So I think that that's, it messes him up because it was nothing that wasn't already inside of him. So it's like, and, and, and she, just because of when she entered it is different. Mm-hmm. But to him, it's just that she's different because she's perfect to him. Yeah. Oh my and god! Just on every level, it just makes that whole that because that's the, oh god, they really no, they don't they get to me on a lot of levels on this show, but I feel like no, none of them as much as their relationship. They are cursed. They really <laughs> like, are. Like, <laughs> oh my god! And then just the way season five ends with I Fitz know, being a fucking man. psychopath and like doing all this stuff to Sky or I guess Daisy without her permission, and then and then he just dies. Like holy shit! Like I mean. You know, they're going to go find his other self, but, oh, it's like. Who didn't go through that. Which yeah. Is, but then they have to tell him all this stuff. It's that's super interesting. <sighs> they listed him for seven. Good. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> just hopefully he's not the bad guy. Just oh, like Fitz's oh like arc over the entire five seasons is just fucking crazy. Like for so many reasons. And I can't believe that like in season one, there's like this crazy, I don't even know if this was intentional at this point, but that, crazy that, foreshadowing. I mean, you know, honestly, like I don't, I, I want to say that I don't think that they had that much far in advance, but at, at, on some level they did. They knew what they were, where they were going in a great, in, in, in a lot of levels, I think with the Inhumans and with Daisy. Uh, to, you know, having Sky turn into Daisy, I think all that stuff was was already well and underway, and the Deltite conspiracy that the LMD framework thing is based on is a comic story from like the eighties. So it's okay. not even sort of far fetched to think that they had a lot of that already in mind. They didn't. Ha- I mean, that Ghost Rider character was being developed by a a writer who had just been living in Japan. You know, an American creator, uh, Felipe Smith, I believe, who created. Uh, Robbie Reyes, who's mm-hmm. the ghostwriter we love so well uh, from season four, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. and he's, he's amazing. But I don't think he was even around yet. So, Or if he was, he was just being created. Like, so right. it couldn't so. have had every element. But the Darkhold Redeemer, you know, uh, like this group of the Darkhold Redeemers, this group of people yeah. who like worshipped that book or kept it from being abused. And the Darkhold and all these people, like, they did exist. So some level of it could have already been plotted out. These guys are comic nerds and they're drawing from deep comic stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the, the one connection. The only connection is new that is so flimsy, but kind of cool. And it <laughs> actually relates back to what you were just talking about with the Jessica Jones comparison, because it turns out uh, that uh, one of our friends from Jessica Jones uh, who plays uh, Trish or who's based on the, the comic character, uh, Patsy Walker, who becomes Hellcat, and so uh, somehow Patsy uh, and Patricia becomes Trish in the show. She's never <laughs> Trish in the comic. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> all, 
That's uh, really uh, funny. Well, and the radio host thing is is what Karen Page becomes at one point, uh, not oh, her weird. at all. Uh, yeah, no, it's super weird. I she, hate she, Karen she, Page so much. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no problem. Uh, oh God, uh, they turn her from. She's their legal assistant, newspaper reporter, uh, uh, radio host, like like late night radio host. Eventually, the kingpin gets her addicted to uh, crack. <laughs> uh, she ends up becoming a crack whore. Yeah. Wow. They make her a prostitute, characterize her, I believe, explicitly as a crack whore because it was all edgy and dark in the 90s or whatever. Uh, and then then, then the Kingpin, did, he did all this intentionally. It was like a long-term plan. Like he messed oh, with her course, life yeah. so that he could use her addiction to get her to tell him who, Ghost, or, 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 who Daredevil really is. And so he could uh, destroy every element of, of, uh, of Matt Murdock's life. Yeah. Comic books are when they're dumb, they're dumb, and they abuse women like nothing else, like nothing. Yeah. So many stories. Oh my gosh! When, like when when I read one from like not even too long ago, and a, a woman isn't murdered at some point to develop the man, like like in an origin story, I'm so happy. I'm so pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, thank God. Like, I thought it was a close call. She existed in his world in the beginnings. So things were not looking good for her for most of that story by virtue of her. Yeah, just existing in uh, the story. Yeah, yeah, so she's a very weird superhero who's kind of an imitation of another superhero who came from a a character um, who was like, uh, she had a comic book that was like Patsy Walker. And it was like like Donna, I'm not Donna Reed. uh, what was the show about the twins? The Patty Duke show. It was basically like like, like that. Like it was like, oh, it, it, how novel! It's a teenage girl. She's got friends and goes to parties and stuff. It was like a Gidget movie, uh, but but a comic book. So it was it was they were like Archie comics, but very much centered on on the girl audience more than a, a boy audience at least at the time. Right. Uh, the stereotypical version of that. And like she had a boyfriend named Buzz who ended up becoming a supervillain named Mad Dog. She's a superhero and named Hellcat. And her ex-boyfriend. Oh and my god! Uh, comic books. So, anywho, uh, <laughs> she is played by uh, I think pretty well, even though the character goes through some hell in uh, Jessica Jones season two. Uh, I think it was all to give her superpowers <laughs> to make her into Hellcat and in, in Defender season two, which will never happen. But she uh, she's played by Rachel Taylor, and Rachel Taylor was in a movie called Man Thing. Man Thing was made, I think, almost was a theatrical film, but didn't quite make it. It ended up being uh, 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 finished. Uh, its release was under the banner of the Sci-Fi Network or the Sci-Fi uh, Pictures, their, their studio. But this was spelled S-C-I hyphen F-I. This was back <laughs> in 2005. This was bef- pre- before the S-Y. Yeah, before their F-Y. name change and before Iron Man, before Marvel was paying a lot more right. attention to what movies they were making because this was a Marvel movie. It's based on the Marvel Comics character Man Thing, and that is the reference in today's Shield. Very offhandedly, briefly, when she's talking about things that like Congress people don't know or senators don't know or whatever, Maria Hill mentioned someone asked her to explain what a Man Thing was, and it <laughs> even capitalized Man Thing in the captions. And I'm like, they know what they're talking about. But Man Man <laughs> Thing is this, is this uh, old school Marvel character uh, who was created by a bunch of people. But I think these credited. Is being created by Stanley, but that's not true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's he, uh, he's created by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, 
um, who I think we've talked about before, but he, uh, his, his like origins were redone. He's kind of credit credit as being recreated, uh, by a guy named Steve Gerber, who was a really subversive comic creator. He did indie comics, um, like, uh, Stuart the rat. And he did, uh, he's pretty well known for the weirdest Marvel movie. The first Marvel movie, widely regarded as the worst movie of all time, Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with Howard the Duck right now, uh, the movie, now, unrelated to this. But yeah, Steve Gerber created created that feller uh, and a bunch of other stuff for DC and Marvel. But uh, yeah, he was the one who was responsible for like Man-Thing's seminal story. So he's credited as writing this, the, like, the story that inspired this awful sci-fi original film uh that i don't really recommend uh, us watching i do (laughs) recommend everybody watch howard the duck it's insane it's it's super weird it's george lucas's first thing he did after star wars it's so weird they wanted to do like a fritz the cat like subversive cartoon like and make it animated But he was almost bankrupt because of his investments, basically. Even though he made tons and tons of money, he didn't really spend it well. And mm-hmm. he uh, was he was contractually obligated to make his next film, whether or not it was this with Marvel or whatever, he had to make a live action movie. He couldn't do it animated. And oh my so God. these two schmucks who are still married, I believe, didn't ruin their relationship. But friends of his <laughs> from film school, the same situation for the guy who directed and then bailed out at the last minute of the holiday special. He just drafted dudes from film school, like friends of his, like, hey, you want to direct something I'm doing? And like, it, it just, it's an awful, awful movie. Like they wrote it for a cartoon and they're like, oh yeah, can you direct it and make it not a cartoon? We, so William, William Huke, is that who said that? His, the director of Howard the Duck. Uh-huh. So he, um, actually, so he was married to. Oh, I thought that the, that the co-writers are still together. Um, They were a couple of years ago. Uh, Gloria Katz was his yeah, yeah. was his wife, and she just passed away oh, like this week. This and week, she, they yeah, um, yeah, crazy. That's a bummer. I was ju- I just watched that like a week ago. Uh, oh man, yeah, because um, they um, did some uh, they did some some script doctoring for episode uh, for A New Hope for the original Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah, so she just passed away from, mm-hmm. and they did, um, they did, yeah, they did um, American Graffiti with with um, George Lucas too. So, yeah. yeah, no, it was. I, I didn't realize that they did Howard the Duck. <laughs> well. No, I don't <laughs> want anyone to know that or didn't. But yeah, they were still married. No, so, man, yeah. uh, they <laughs> in in like the additional information when I was reading about Howard the Duck, uh, which is weirdly enough sort of on topic. It is a Marvel character he was the, he was the right. post-credit stinger in guardians of the galaxy uh, <laughs> yeah. he uh or w- w- right after they made it well first the character is like intrinsically centered around being in cleveland he's in, he's from another planet okay. wherever where, <laughs> like, like he's all about he complains about it all the time like he's this he's this hard-boiled pun intended a uh, pi from a, oh a from a duck planet <laughs> and he's cantankerous and he's a jerk and nobody likes him and uh, what's her name? Beverly Switzer, I 
think it's her last name. Uh, he ends up becoming like friends with this uh, human woman on, on earth. Cause he gets like, transported to earth and stuck here and he's stuck in Cleveland. And they were like, Hey, maybe since we have to do this live action, maybe we could shoot it in Hawaii. <laughs> and, and so they, they flew out to Hawaii to check it out. And then they ended up going back after they made the movie and they did set it in Cleveland, but uh, after they made the movie, uh, they didn't read the reviews, but the weekend it came out, they just went to Hawaii. And back then, they didn't have internet and social media and whatnot in the mid-80s, so they could just, like, shut out from from yeah. the world if they wanted, which is, like, it. that's, that's like, a nice sentiment if you know you're going to get accolades. But I think <laughs> I think they knew how it was going to turn out <laughs> by that point, and they're just like, you know what? <laughs> We're just going to disconnect and go chill out. And that's probably why yeah. they're still together. <laughs> it's because they didn't have the internet. Yeah. They have to, like, can't, like, no, it's your fault. No, your fault. <laughs> like, when that's nobody's fault. Like, but also <laughs> the weirdest tidbit that I just love so much. I'm a big fan of uh, Mel Brooks's work, and I read that the guy who was in the Howard the Duck suit, uh, who like isn't even credited on a bunch of sources, <laughs> like, which is really frustrating. Uh, it's just the guy who does the voice that uh, they credit. Yeah. But but the 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 little person who was in his in the suit, uh, he was in Spaceballs as one of the side characters. And, and, oh, crazy! And the reason was because when the movie came out, he in some interview in some press blurb, uh, Mel Brooks said, "Anyone who was in that movie, Howard the Duck, can be in my next movie." Anyone <laughs> who makes that movie, I respect. He's like, because he said, like, you know, they're not all winners. <laughs> like, basically, when you're doing an absurdist comedy. He recognizes it doesn't always land for everyone, right? <laughs> like, like, like you know, like, like he he basically is like like they're in a different world. No one would have laughed at Young Frankenstein when it came out. So, I I, I give you yeah. you kids. He's a like brain. I feel you. Yeah, and I like and, and then he did, and then and then one of them saw that, pursued it, and he's like, yes, absolutely. Then he made good on it. Like that's you don't hear stories that's, like that in Hollywood much. Like that's amazing. But, <laughs> So that's that's my my long and absurd uh, roundabout way of saying this is a Lucasfilm property and a Marvel slash Disney property. Now they should bring back Howard the Duck, <laughs> <laughs> but do it right this time because oh, it is a weird movie. Like, oh man, Leah Thompson was only in weird movies. It feels like when I was a little kid, like that year. I think it's the same year, maybe as Back to the Future, or the year after. It's very, it's very soon after uh, Back to the Future, and in Back to the Future, as anyone, as, as most people I find know, she tries to sleep with her son. She doesn't know that, that that's the case. But then in Howard the Duck, she re- constantly tries to sleep with a duck man, and it's like, oh what the God. hell? Like that? I don't know. I feel like I would have found uh, Leah Thompson to be very beautiful as a young young child if everything she was in wasn't about her trying to sleep with her children and or duck people because <laughs> i feel like like i remember like being a teenager and she had her own sitcom um caroline in the city because it was very novel for the idea for women to live in cities and have jobs at publications that was every show right. on nbc was a show about a woman who worked at a magazine or made a comic strip or worked in a newspaper like they all <laughs> Live these glamorous employed lifestyles. <laughs> like, can you imagine Mary. a woman having a job where they make stuff, where she makes decisions, and living in a city? Yeah, <laughs> like, it feels like it was the same stuff that was supposed to be revolutionary in like the seventies. Was still supposed to be a, a premise and in, into a, and of itself in the nineties. But no, I just found her to be very like. I feel like a nondescript. Like it's just like a 
an entity. Like it's like I don't know what's up with her. Like I, I feel like that that colored my perception of her forever. I don't blame you. <laughs> it's like one of those things, though, with Back to the Future. I, I didn't even think about Howard the Duck, but you just kind of accept them because you watch them when you're really young. And you don't I don't I never really thought about it until I was in like college, I think, like pretty late in my life uh, to think about how that's a little gross and weird. No, I, like I was, was obsessed with Michael there. J. Fox. And so I think that I, I having rewatched it as many times as I did as a kid and between that and one of the movies he did right after that was called The Secret of My Success, where <laughs> uh, guess what he does? He sleeps with his aunt. It's an ant by marriage, but he repeated like like he makes he makes it big in the business he's in by sleeping with his aunt, and it's like oh my god, like seriously, like seriously, what was up with the eighties? Between that and the casual sexism and racism and like insane levels of homophobia, like almost every movie I watch that I loved as a really little kid that was like an actiony kind of movie or like teen comedy that my I watched with my older brothers. I, I watch it now and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, they called someone the <laughs> F word. Like, like, like they called someone, someone, uh, the FAG for, for, for no yeah. reason, like for no reason. Yeah. And I will never forget that in Teen Wolf, his best friend, uh, when he comes out to him as a werewolf, he literally says, oh, thank God. I thought you were going to tell me you were a faggot. And that is oh my God. as if that was better. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you <gasps> just are going to eat people. <laughs> like, like one, That's fine. One, Versus one, just loving who you love. One like. week a month, every night, you're going to try to eat everybody. But you liking dudes, I couldn't hang with you anymore. <laughs> We'd be through. Like, like that was the 80s. That was the, the level of acceptable homophobia. <laughs> so gross. Super weird and super gross. So if any of this makes you want to check out Man Thing... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Man, thank you, yeah, Maria Hill. By, uh, <laughs> by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway uh, with Steve Gerber. And he first appeared in Strange Tales number one in May of 1971. And he's a swamp monster. And uh, he he's fine with anyone who doesn't know fear. So he and Daredevil will be cool. But if you know fear and he locks eyes with you, you will catch fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> I gotta say, when it comes to superpowers, That's kind a of badass. <laughs> because almost everything knows fear, right? So pretty much like in his job, well, and it's because he hangs out in the swamp in the Everglades that happens to be the nexus of all realities. Wow. So like he's got to protect this portal to other dimensions. So that makes sense. Like he wants any incoming zombies or or you know. Uh, outgoing invaders or whatnot, like mad scientists who want to conquer other dimensions from our dimension. Any one of these guys is likely to know fear and he can, you know, keep them out. Only the fearless are allowed to enter. <laughs> yeah. So wow. like he's friends a lot of times in the comics, like little kids. Okay. And, and occasionally he does team up. I think it's mostly because they both have long runs by Steve Gerber, but I think occasionally he does team up with uh, Howard the Duck because Howard the Duck's too, ang- <laughs> too angry to be scared. Of he's course. just pissed off. It's his <laughs> constant state. Is, is, his reaction to everything is to be frustrated. So, oh, my God. Wow. Which, I mean, I honestly, I, I highly recommend Howard the Duck comic books. They're super subversive and funny and weird. And like they were very much ahead of their time. Like they're political and thoughtful. 
especially the original runs. The newer stuff with Chip Zdarsky is just more is just more like meta comedy, and it's yeah. funny. I, I recommend it as well, but it's not the same. Like the best part of that run is when you uh, in the Marvel universe, Leah Thompson was kidnapped by an interdimensional being and forced to act out Howard the Duck, the Howard the Duck movie. <laughs> I, I, oh, oh, so the Howard the Duck movie exists in their universe with her play playing Beverly, playing his real life friend. Which is, that's the best part of the Chip Zdarsky run. That oh it was done God. after the movie. So there's this weird meta thing. Because like me, he grew up and didn't know it was the worst movie ever made. He was just like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. (laughs) I don't know. This is bad. I'm a little kid. I don't know what bad movies are yet. I love that. People are funny. Also, Howard the Duck couldn't wear no pants because Disney sued them the first time they had him appear with no pants. Oh, Donald Duck. Only Donald Duck (laughs) can walk around pantsless. (laughs) Which, given like that, like, you know, there's sex and like, and masturbation and all sorts of like more adult themes in Howard the Duck. Honestly, the pants were a boon to him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like Disney was helping them out, really. <laughs> Just making it make more sense. Like, like you don't have to hide his duck junk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, hey, speaking of comics connections, uh, can we talk about Maria Hill for a second? Because I know. Oh, absolutely. Go. Uh, I mean, we, t- we, t- we talked about some of the details, I believe. When she first appeared, but we can yeah. we can we can talk about where where she goes more because we, yeah. we we didn't talk about that because I don't think she's in another episode quite as much as she's in this entire season, which isn't even that much, and she doesn't appear much more in any of the other films at this point. So that's true. She's she and she's taken a backseat a bit in the comics, and I can't help but think that's because in part. Like the guy who created her, Brian Michael Bendis, lost interest in her and kind of shepherded. Aww. Well, and in part because he moved on to different characters at Marvel okay. and left the Avengers books for because he uh, that's where he'd introduced her and created oh. her. And she kind of transferred over when other people were taking over those books into the Iron Man run. Uh, when Iron Man had been the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., when Tony Stark was in the comics, Maria Hill was his second in command. And she was an important character throughout the Avengers books and the Iron Man books. And then he was on the run when it, when they were deposed. I've said before uh, on the show and the comic stuff about how eventually uh, Shield is turned into Hammer. That's where uh, Victoria Hand is first uh, kind of comes into prominence when she first right. appeared. And it's she worked for uh, Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. So Shield was an evil organization. It was actually a storyline sort of similar to the to the Hydra infiltration now, where it was just. Shield is now a bad organization. It's different, uh, and there's a lot of turnover where people are just like, "Well, I'm just happy to still have a job." So they keep. So some people stayed loyal, even though yeah. it was being run by a bad guy and who was unstable. <laughs> and as a result, Iron Man and Maria Hill are on the run. And there's a really, really strong arc where uh, they actually end up getting together while they're on the run briefly, and then and like uh, and having a brief affair. But she does not uh, or no she does remember but he doesn't because the way the storyline goes he ends up like losing a brief period of time of his memory like including their their recent present so he doesn't know that they had an affair and she keeps it from from him i think it's just sort of interesting but uh you know her Sounds character comic <laughs> it absolutely is <laughs> and her, her character has some interesting stuff uh like she came from an abusive home. Like over the years, it's been revealed first that she came from an abusive father, and then eventually that her father had superpowers. And 
that it kind of colored when she was introduced. She was uh, a big part of her big, like first story arc is the superhero civil war, which is a lot very different than it was in the movie civil war. Like it's very much, you know, hundreds of these superheroes being turned against each other and like breaking up teams and uh, across the board. And it was a very long involved process. And there's a lot of things that they take from it for the film, but it's quite different as well. And in it, uh, Maria Hill rises to prominence as part of the group trying to control and and regulate superheroes. And when you take into context, uh, into the context that like she came from an abusive home where her father was a super super powered person who physically abused her yeah. and beat her like it makes absolute sense that she wants to regulate superhumans <laughs> like like you yeah. can't can't fault anyone there uh and she's was a very important character after this changeover where iron man took a little bit of a back seat and wasn't in charge of everything anymore because they're like oh these movies are still popular but we don't need to make him in charge of everything anymore yeah and the storylines just kind of changed um she was like a liaison for one of the uh, Avengers teams. <clears throat> it was actually kind of funny where there were th- the, all their liaisons were the important shield women, which like, sort of frustrated me because it like relegated them to being go-betweens for yeah. the superheroes where most of them are still men. Rather than getting to be the heroes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Victoria Hand was the, the liaison for the new Avengers, for Luke Cage's team of, of Avengers. And, mm-hmm. and Sharon Carter was the liaison for one team and uh, Maria Hill was for another. And uh, then since then, recently, you know, when the whole when the whole Hydra thing happened with with uh, Secret Empire, she uh, never went bad. She stayed on the run and uh, ended up. Uh, I believe I mentioned with the <clears throat> episode with Black Blackout uh, oh, yeah. recently that she killed him to yeah. do things that other people wouldn't. She had she had a, an important story arc right before secret empire where she was part of a idea where they were reprogramming uh supervillains they were wiping their minds and giving them fake identities and making them live in a small town like mayberry pretty much uh it was called pleasant hill and (laughs) guess what things went wrong so sounds familiar (laughs) yeah and uh yeah since then she's had one story arc where uh, she turned out she'd had a, a hit put out on herself early on in her shield career because of something she'd felt that she, that she shouldn't have done. Uh, she'd compromised her morals or whatever. So she decided once she was done with this job, she didn't want to be responsible for all the things she'd done on it. So the day she left shield, she had this uh, hit go into effect and then wiped her mind. Colson style actually goes into this episode a little bit. Weird. And, uh, Jessica Jones ends up helping her discover it and she calls it off because just like in Bullworth, she decided she wanted to live. Spoilers for Bullworth. You guys can all see that. <laughs> see that too. Crazy. It's also crazy to, to hear Warren Beatty basically talk about like socialism in such a way, just like <laughs> uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez does today. Yeah. And like people in the late nineties be like, Oh my gosh, like the exact same way. It's like, nothing has changed. The exact (laughs) And we still have all sorts of socialist stuff in this country. Like if you like roads and schools and the military, the military is socialist, (laughs) but, but no one cares. No one cares what words mean. (laughs) It's just hate, hate things because people tell us to, but, um, but no, um, Maria Hill, I think is an underused character and would like to see more of her both in the films and in the comic books. She's awesome. Yeah. She she could be a superhero in her own right uh, without powers. Uh, and yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. She's like a she's like an Agent May. Totally. She's and they need to, to use more Agent May. All the, the characters who've been introduced at this point uh, should be used more. And they should go ahead and do just like they introduced their version of Nick Cage. Or not Nick Cage. Uh, Nick Fury. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Nick Cage is named after Luke Cage in real life. Really? Yeah. We've gone on quite a digression, but that's for that's for real. Uh, he was a giant superhero fan and comic book fan uh, before it was cool at all. And when he first started his career, he didn't want everyone to know he was related to Francis Ford Coppola. So he legally changed his name to uh, or his stage name to Nick Cage after Luke Cage because his favorite comic book was Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. Wow. I did not know that. His son is named Kal-El. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. But, he I mean, he's rich enough to afford uh, being able to get away with that. (laughs) Yep. Yep. For for now. Eventually, he's going to end up like Moon Unit Zappa (laughs) not being in the public eye because you gave him such a weird name. Good Lord. That was quite a digression, but uh, glad we ended worth there. Worth it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. now you know that now Nick I know. Cage is named after Luke Cage. And now anyone who didn't know that knows that, which is cool. Amazing. All right. I think- and I think it's cool that he didn't want to use his nepotism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jason Schwartzman did not change his name. Nope. Like, <laughs> Sofia Coppola also. Not fine, fine with everyone knowing that. <laughs> I used to be super obsessed with Jason Schwartzman when I was in high school. Um, what's that movie? I, that I weird really one like where he's Rushmore. like, yeah, Rushmore. I was like, no, so I'm so frustrated <laughs> with Wes Anderson for being a tone deaf moron. Yeah, he's such a like makes such pretty movies, but I know you gotta actually listen to humans dude <laughs> like, yeah. like, like I, I won't see uh island of dogs and like nope. that bums me out because i love dogs and his old movies but at the same time it bums me out more of it people are really insensitive and then instead of listening and saying i'm sorry i'll do better just are like no i know everything i'm yeah. rich and white i went to private schools i've always been smart and rich and white like, it's just like- erase japanese people and <laughs> make this film and it's fine well before we start on a representation rant um this episode is running long (laughs) one of our longest episodes and it's it's mostly about other stuff well worth it mostly about comic book stuff at least yeah um all right where can the people find you on the internet if i'm on the internet i can be found at ice no nothing on like twitter and whatnot Nice. And you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti, or you can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll catch you later. <laughs> Bye.